0: Welcome to Corporate to Conscious the podcast where we are your seasoned guides with over 30 years of combined corporate experience. Personally navigate the journey from burnout to balance. We're not just experts, we've lived it. Whether you're a newbie or a seasoned pro, join our intimate community. We unravel the nervous system, climb the corporate ladder, tackle burnout together. And discuss the outdated social norms that influence our work environment. This isn't just about bridging old and new, it's about living it. This is Corporate to Conscious Podcast, where experience meets compassion and work meets wisdom. Hello, and welcome back to Corporate to Conscious, the podcast we are today going to talk about the topic of core values in the workplace. Now, this is something that goes pretty deep for us because we all go into work with the expectation that we are going to have our purpose. We are going to find our purpose for being alive. We are going to connect in with the core values. And we look into organizations when we go to work oftentimes, and we look into what their core values are to see if they match our own. So today we are going to kind of balance this off of Maslow's theory of human motivation or Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So a little bit about Abraham Maslow. He is an American psychologist in the 1940s who wrote a paper called The Theory of Human Motivation. And in that paper, he developed what he calls the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And this is a triangle that many of you have probably already seen. But within this hierarchy of needs, he has the theory that human behavior comes in different levels. So at the very bottom of the hierarchy of needs, he talks about your basic needs, your physiological needs. Then we move up to safety. Then we move up to our social needs, our personal self-esteem needs. And then ultimately, we would get to what he calls self-actualization. So Aureli, I think that you had found a paper on... Kind of how this balances in the workplace, correct? I did,
1: um, and so it, this actual article is going to be from the National Library of Medicine. Um, it was actually published back in 2015, and in this particular article, they actually talk specifically about Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs chart um, and the pyramid. Specifically, he really focuses everything on the self actual, uh, the self actualization um, portion of the employee and how that's going to be driven if their other needs are not being met. And so in this particular case, um, as they were talking about the article, it talked about how certain employees that don't have their basic physiological needs, which is going to be at the very bottom of the pyramid, Brooksy. Um, and that talks specifically about physiological needs being met. So like, do you have food? Um, do you have water? Do you have heat? Do you have warmth Have you been, have you rested, right? That would be like the first portion of it, the bottom one. And then the second portion of it is the safety and safety would be like your stability, your security. Are you comfortable? Do you have a roof over your head? If those two fields or those specific spots in those charts are being met, it's been observed that most of the employees that have those basic two needs being met are able to excel in the workplace, are able to put themselves in areas of wanting to grow or self-develop with their peers or with their management team. But versus the opposite way where an employee doesn't have those needs being met, it is usually going to be that employee that's struggling or has kind of a bad attitude in the workplace as well.
0: So you mentioned bad attitude. I'm wondering if that's kind of coming from a space of, because that seems counterintuitive, right? Like I am afraid I'm not going to have my needs met And then I'm going to come to work with sort of a bad attitude. Is it just kind of coming from a trauma space? Is that kind of how you see it?
1: I think it's both. I I think it could be both angles of it. I think if you're frustrated with the fact that you don't have a clean, you know, clothing and you have to be around your coworkers and, you know, you haven't gotten a chance to wash your clothing you're going to feel a little subconscious about yourself and you're not going to be wanting to be around your, your colleagues or on the flip side of that, it could also just be like frustration. You having to deal with frustration from everyday life and maybe not having the right words to a bubbly coworker that wakes up in a warm, comfortable household that has other needs met. That's like, good morning, Bruxy. And I'm here, you know, just barely making it on time to work. I brush my teeth outside the parking lot. And I'm just like, what's so good about this goddamn morning, Brooksy? You know, it it could be, it can be met in both ways. And it's just depending on that specific moment and what we're already going through, but keeping those things into consideration with like the real world interactions, especially in the workplace, right? Those are real things that we have to go through. It's like we go to work, we brush our teeth, wash our face. And those are things that we do without really thinking about like the, the mechanics of it, right? But if you don't have those basic needs being met and you're going to work and you're having to get ready at the gym and brush your teeth and quickly get to work, you're not going to be as friendly of a person as a person that got to brush your teeth in the morning at home with their music and their coffee and their Keurig, right? It's going to be totally different energy. You're going to meet someone that has very frantic energy versus someone that's like, relaxed and happy because oh, I just finished my Keurig, my coffee, and I just frothed my milk on my coffee versus Brooksy over here. That's just like, I barely tied my shoe.
0: <laughs> I just made it on time. What do you want? Well, and I was thinking, we've had commenters in some of our posts about sort of transforming the workplace. And one of the comments that we got was connected to a living wage, right? And the people that you're we're talking about here right now, Would be those that are not making a living wage. So there is a frustration to that. And I'm thinking now about my history working with um, people that are unhoused. And I have in the beginning of my career, I did a lot of work with people that are unhoused and a lot of them tried to hold down jobs. A lot of them tried to go to work, but then they would go back home and they would home being in air quotes, back to a shelter or back to living in their car. And it was difficult to find motivation to continue to work and to go there every day when you still were not making a living wage. And I know that we cannot dissect what that's going to look like at this point because a living wage is a big, that's a beast to kind of tackle that conversation. But I think when we're thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and building that That infrastructure for yourself of security and safety, if you're not making a living wage, I don't know that it's even possible to have that discussion about where you're going to be able to advance yourself in your career. That's kind of a joke.
1: And you're 100% that it is, it's not even more of a joke. It's a cruel joke because it's a vicious cycle. Like you're trying to get yourself to a place, let's say, for instance, you're able to mentally focus while you're on the clock, while you're working, Right. And you're putting in all your, you know, all your effort. And then you have to wake up, you know, you go end up, end your day, right? You leave. And you go back to the reality of, I don't have a home. I got my gym. And that's my second home because that's where I'm showering now. And I live in my car. All you're doing is looping throughout the whole day. Everything that you did wrong could have done better, could have done differently. You don't have an outlet. You don't have leisure time because you're always on, you're always working. So when you finally get your rest at the end of the night, is it really rest? You're just on the hamster wheel nonstop. And so I feel like it's really important for people to realize like, where are you? And show yourself grace and understand that your circumstances may be different from someone else that's next to yours and understand that privilege that you really do have um, versus someone else that may not have the same privilege. And that doesn't necessarily have to be just like ethnic wise, or it has to do with just like what you have available to you as your resources versus someone that does not have the same resources as you do and understanding that you do have an advantage versus someone else that does not have an advantage and how you can help that person.
0: And I think that when we think about being leaders within these spaces, we have to understand where our team is coming from because oftentimes we Assume that everybody's coming from the exact same vantage point that we are. And I think when we look at our team and and begin to have the perspective that maybe they are not where I am, and maybe they don't have the desire even to push themselves. Maybe they don't have the motivation to climb the corporate ladder, because that's not what they're focused on. They don't even have their basic needs met. So I think this is a really interesting topic. I think it's really important to to figure out where we fall on this hierarchy. Because when we are trying to move through to a, a higher level of self actualization, it requires us to have those needs met. Um, And I also think that sometimes we, we could be in leadership and still be, I mean, we're using this example of somebody that's unhoused, like that's a very extreme situation. And often people within the corporate spectrum are not in that space, but they could be in a place where they're afraid if they lose their job, that their kids won't eat the next day. So they may be housed and they might have those basic needs met, but they may not be in a position where. They could, they have the luxury, quote unquote, of losing their job because if they did, their entire structure would fall apart.
1: And as you're just talking about that, that's a very, very common, very, very common stress point for a lot of people in the workforce. It doesn't necessarily have to be corporate, like you just said. I think it makes a huge difference if your lack of stability, if you did not have that stability growing up and now you find you finally found that stability through your job you're going to hyper be vigilant about your job and the position that you're in and the hierarchy within the job and it becomes a survival situation where you're scared of losing your job so although you may not be in the same exact situation as a person that we you know the first example that we discuss you're still in survival mode just in a different type of way, in a different frantic way. Um, because, again, your livelihood or your stability, or sense of stability is being challenged here. So then you start overcompensating. And we were talking about this before we jumped on this podcast. We were talking about how you can identify where your employees is operating out of sometimes when they're overachieving sometimes or they're two people pleasing, um, you can sometimes see how their fear of instability or losing their job is the underlying repetitious cycle that you're seeing them behave under. And sometimes that will cause animosity between the workplace as well. So it's identifying where your employees constantly operating from. Also yourself, where are you, geez, where are you operating from as an as an employer? as a boss, as a person in leadership, are you finally, did you finally make it to that leadership position to the point where now you want to prove yourself worthy of that position at the expense of your employees beneath you? You know, we talked a little bit about it, but these are real things that as leaders we have to think about, or as in positions of managers, leads. Um, If you have someone that reports to you, someone that you, have a longer time in being in a position than someone else, you are considered the leader of the workplace without even intentionally being so. But you also have to take into consideration, like, where are you operating out of? Are you operating out of grade? Um, And is that grade stemming from the fact that you didn't have a lot growing up? What need is it meeting? Is it self-actualization? Is it your esteem? Is it your peers that you're, you know, you're gravitating towards peer acceptance? Like, what are you operating from? Because that will make a huge difference as to like the employee environment that we're creating. And remember, like one person's energy and the way that they carry themselves can infect the rest of the people in the workplace. And I think that's why we're having these kind of conversations is so that we're more aware about these various scenarios and how they can be impacting, you know, very differently, but still be the same underlying issue.
0: I had an employee once who was constantly living in survival mode and she would work seven days a week. And I would say, do not work seven days a week. And she would say, but I have to. And it really was a long process. But over about four years, I finally got her to the point where self-care took took priority for her. But I had to teach her how to practice self-care because she was in a constant state of fear that if she let down her guard or sat down and took a breather, that somebody was coming behind her to take her job. So I had to teach her value of herself. Like, I need you on this team. Here's the value that you bring. Without you, nobody can do this right now. And that was a long process. But we finally got her to the point where she could move up the rung on this ladder of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And you said it took time for her to get there. 100%. Like, quite a long time. And she didn't trust that I was actually, like looking out for her best interest and cause she didn't know me. And I'd had to prove that like, I'm not trying to come behind you and like trip you up or trick you or, but because of her experiences in survival mode, her whole life, it was really hard to get her to believe that there was somebody out there that had her best interest at heart, but man, it took me a long time. And she was one of the, the best employees, but everyone took advantage of her. Because mm. they they saw that she was in survival mode. So I don't think they were actually like trying to take advantage of her. But because she was so willing to to step up and was afraid she'd lose her job. Yeah. She got like dragged by everybody all the time. Because they were like, oh, she'll do it. She'll do it. She'll do it. Yeah, it and, becomes a dumping ground. And I had to train everyone around her to stop seeing her as a dumping ground. It was a, It was a big process, but... That was one of the, I felt really accomplished with that experience with her.
1: That's exciting, Brooksy. And I have to say, like, I still struggle with this. Um, I'm constantly, you know, I'm, we've talked about this with me all the time about self-care and learning how to take, I, today was a perfect example. Um, you know, and it has a lot to do. And this is another thing that I want us to bring up as core values and make sure that we're all really aware. It really does make a difference where you come from, your environment, your culture, how are you raised? Were you raised in poverty? Were you, did you have your needs met as a child? All of these things are detrimental to the way that you perceive the world and how you operate inside of it and how the world around you treats you. And I'm saying this because I have, I'm constantly still in this battle of self-transcendence where I'm constantly teeter-tottering between self-esteem self-actualization, and then sometimes I go back all the way down to safety, you know, my stability, you know, and it goes back and forth, back and forth. And I'm saying this because as a first-time generation illegal immigrant that I was, I, I got my citizenship a couple of years ago, guys. don't And
0: we'll it. call it undocumented. I hate Undo- illegal immigrant. It sounds so, I get that that's like, you're allowed to say that because you've had that experience, but it's horrible. Like it, it's it's so... To, to have that sense of, like, I'm an illegal immigrant is, like, what a horrible cloud to hang over your head.
1: But that's actually 100% one of the, one of the things inside the Maslow that I had to really work through. My safety, my stability here in the country. 100%. And that definitely taints the glasses that you're wearing. We were talking about that employee of yours that was, you know striving and constantly working seven days a week and she was literally taking on more than she needed to take on. That is that is a sign of someone that does not have stability, that does not that did not have physiologically physi- physiological needs met as a child, that struggles with stability. And I have those same traits and I've struggled with those things. And those are real core issues because you become a people pleaser. You become, you're trying to belong so desperately that you're willing to take on more and more and more work at your expense of your mental health in order to prove yourself worthy of belonging, in order to prove yourself worthy of that stability. And that's the part that I feel like most people are, not really looking at the whole picture when you're looking at someone that is a people pleaser. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, that person's just trying too hard. Well, are they really just trying too hard? Because really, let's stop and think about it. Where are they on this chart? Are they in physiological mode? Like, are they barely surviving? Are they worried about their next meal? Are they sleeping in their car? That's a real thing now. You know, safety. Am I stable? Is this person stable? If they're not flipping stable, there's no goddamn way that they're going to want to be positive at work, or they might be excessively positive at work in hopes that they can fit in. But you as an employee, and even as colleagues, this isn't just about employee and employer, guys, this is also about colleagues at work, you need to be able to identify some of people's behaviors and where they're operating from. You know, and then you have those people that are super people pleasing, um, or that are really in when they're already in the self esteem aspect. And they think very highly of themselves. And now they're going into self-actualization. Sometimes those people that are going into self-esteem and self-actualization, they are kind of assholes to the other people. And they do talk down to the other people because they're in a different headspace altogether. Their thought process is not the same. And you have to be able to identify where that person's operating at, where are they at, who and how they were raised. And that creates a lot of who their identity in the workplace is.
0: I'm thinking too about employers, like a lot of times, the the person in leadership is also operating out of survival mode, operating out of sense of belonging. And if you, you as a leader, need to hold yourself accountable and become aware of how you're operating, because I've had bosses in the past who were constantly trying to survive and constantly trying to belong. At my expense and the expense of yeah. everybody below us. And what happened was they were not able to see I'm going to push myself this hard and I'm going to expect you to push that hard because this is coming from my own survival. So just because you're in leadership does not mean that you're not still operating out of that survival space or that sense of belonging like, oh, I finally made it to vice president. Now I'm finally liked by the cool kids because the chiefs talk to me now or whatever. I mean, this goes all the way up the chain. I've had CEOs that were try, were operating out of survival mode, that were operating out of a sense of belonging. So we all are doing this and it's an, a sense of awareness. This isn't just boots on ground people who struggle with this. It goes all the way up. So identify for yourself, where do I fall in Maslow's hierarchy of needs? And we're going to have some worksheets where we're going to show some of these ways that you can work through this for yourself and actually be able to do a worksheet with your team or or on your own to figure out where do I fall in this space and I don't need to know everybody's personal story because some people hold that very close to the chest but you can see behaviors that would lead you to understand where they're operating from and I love that you mentioned leadership brixley because this is something that is a huge pain point
1: for me I've worked in different types of environment upper management middle management I've been right now, the current role that I'm in. And one of the things that you mentioned is like, once you get to a leadership position, right, or once you get into management, one of the things that I think is gross, and I'm talking about it in a gross way, because I want us to talk about it as a real core issue here. When you're trying to, if you're going into self-actualization, you're already, you've already, your other needs have been met, Right. You're financially, mentally stable enough to want to continue thriving up the chain, right? One of the grossest things that we can do as leaders is to forget the path that we walked and expect our employees to have to go through worse paths than the ones that we went through to get to a place of leadership or to move up in the company, I am sick and tired, and I'm going to talk about it very openly here. I think it's cruel, and I think it's really, really. This is a moment where we all need to self-reflect as human beings and identify. I didn't have to worry about my physiological needs. I didn't have to worry about my stability. I didn't have to worry about me feeling like I need, like I need to belong. My self-esteem is solid recognizing that you have all those things that you were given that you have been provided with, because let's be real, that are we
0: calling that? Are we just going to call it privilege? Are we just going to call that right on out? (laughs) Yeah, it it is privilege. check your privilege, (laughs) check your privilege, because
1: to be quite honest with you, it is one of the ugliest things that I've seen in the workplace when people get into management or upper management and they completely disconnect from their people, the people that are working with them. And they start getting into this mentality of, well, I had to go through X, Y, and Z. So you should have to go through that too. Or you have the ability to facilitate something for another colleague or another employee. And you purposely choose to block that off because you had to go through it harder. That to me is something that needs to be addressed. And we really need to start looking at it for what it is it's privilege and it's blinding you from seeing the reality of how it affects other people. Because just because you had everything possible, needed in order to thrive in the workplace, in the world, does not mean that everyone else has that same privilege. And understanding that those people that don't have that privilege still should have the same opportunities handed to them or open to those opportunities to them, regardless of where they are on this Maslow chart.
0: But I'm going to also point out, I think you're also talking about those people who have not necessarily had the privilege, but who have gotten themselves to a certain point. And they think if I had to scrape my way through, you have to also, instead of offering a helping hand and forgetting that there were helping hands along the way. Because think about how many times I've heard people say like, oh, well, if if I can have this, then you should be able to have this because do you know where I came from? But that doesn't mean that you have not had steps of privilege along the way to get you there. And I think it's so important to understand, like... I am an able-bodied person. That is a privilege that some people do not have. Like we forget about stuff like that. We say this person, like, why can't you do this? Well, it's because you can walk every day. You can go to the gym when you need to. You can, you have the ability to buy healthy food, to be, to not have to um, scrape from the bottom of whatever barrel, because you don't have money for food. Like these are privileges And I know that I have the privilege of being white. I have privilege of like, there are tiers of privilege, but ableism is something that we forget about too. And just being able to like, to wake up every day and, and be able to function in the world. Some people don't have that.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things too, that makes me really sad is seeing how some of us that have been able to get further in our careers do not use it to help the rest of the people that need it. Um, and I feel like that's part of like the leadership thing. One thing that I kind of want, did want to talk about and core value specifically is a lot of the times in a lot of these corporations, they expect you or they want you to be all about the company, to be willing to sacrifice, to become this family, Right. But it goes back to the same thing that I really want to drill into you guys. And that's if you want your team to show up in a specific light, you have to create an environment so that they can. So that those core values are being met. So that they do feel that safety to be able to come to you and thrive with you and work through difficult things together. But if you as a manager are not willing to understand where they're operating from, identify how you can actually support them and help them grow, it feels like a never-ending battle for an employee. And I'm talking from personal experience. You're going to see them have shitty attitudes. You're going to see them be depressed. You're going you're gonna to see them have ugly attitude towards each other. And it can be easily something that as a leader, you can identify, oh, my employee is struggling with this. Let me support them versus let me write them up because they took five extra minutes on their lunch break because they were crying their asses off in the car because guess what? They might not have money to pay their rent this month. And that's well, and real- you
0: mentioned family too. And I want to point this out. This uh, This could be like a soapbox for me but i want i want everybody to understand that family has a different connotation for different people so a lot of times employers love to say come join the family but what if that person does not trust the institution of family what if family has never been anything for that person but somebody who has let them down what if they've been in the foster system and has never found any stability or people that actually can be trusted so we need to stop using that word as something that everybody feels is a comforting thing. Because for a lot of people, the connotation of family is not a good one. And when I think about my job being my family and I have a bad sense of family, I'm, what buy-in am I going to get from that employee?
1: That. And then in addition to it is as a family, what does a family bring to the table? And I want us to really analyze that because I hear that topic being brought up. Oh, yeah, we're like a little
0: family at work. Okay. What does that really
1: mean? Are you supporting me? Are that you... sounds
0: manipulative and drama filled. If I, if my work is my family and I'm equating it with family, exactly. that's not a good thing for me.
1: Well, and, but some to some people, their family is their work family. And the thing is, that's what I'm saying. It's important for you as a leader to be able to identify where is your, where is your employee operating out of and how can I actually help them? Because if they're not able to see that I'm on survival mode and I'm just hanging out with you guys 24 seven, because I really don't have anywhere else to go. You're going to see that there's a need there for for that person. And vice versa, if you see an employee that isn't always there, that's always absent-minded, that's always Angry or frustrated or has an attitude, why are they operating that way? Usually it's gonna be down to the the three lower levels, which is like A, I don't feel like I belong. B, I don't feel stable here. My position is not stable here. It feels fake, it feels uncomfortable, or I just don't have money for my bills and I have bigger things on my problems than just the work that I'm doing, and I'm just surviving right now.
0: Right. Um, Exactly. And I think that it's just so, so much lack of awareness, right? We have these blanket corporate statements, this like corporate speak where it's all about the language of of family and synergy and um, team player. And all of these things are just words that we throw around without understanding that those have core values built into them. And they don't always align for everybody.
1: And not only that, like the the whole family thing, like I've seen companies that excel at this and I've seen companies that manipulate their employees with it. Um, I've seen both, you know, and we've talked about certain companies that I worked at where, you know, the word family felt really cringy to you. And then there was actual companies where I felt like family. I didn't feel the sense of family, but I could see the sense of family in the environment and the corporation. And I was honestly like, bewildered by it. I was like, wow, like this is awesome. Like I've never seen or witnessed this and it was beautiful. Um, and we're probably going to end up having the HR manager for that company come on to our podcast
0: and maybe even the CEO. And so cause you've beautiful. spoken really highly about that company, which again, we don't need to get into right now in their absence but that's I think it's important when you do have those jobs that do feel like an alignment for you and I think that's what you experienced at that position was you, it gave you a sense of belonging and a sense of security so then you were able to move up that hierarchy of needs into thinking about self-actualization because you didn't have to think about where do I belong and am I going to still have my job next week? They gave you that, and I think as we're kind of dissecting what this looks like, it sounds like that's what they're really good at was giving you that base base of foundational support, and then yep. you had no place to go but up in the thriving yep. category because you had the self esteem, the belonging, all of those things.
1: And that's when I got creative. You know, that's when I was actually able to get into my creative energy. And, and same thing right now, as you were saying that. You know, I want people to actually realize that, like, if you have all your needs met, you are able to thrive more. But as employers, I need us all as leaders, managers. We are the reporting tool that can be used as a weapon towards employees. And I'm saying this because I want us all to not to forget. A, we talked about assume positive intent, right? But the other one for me is like, I really want you guys to really hone in on is the fact that if you make your employee or employees or team feel unstable, that creates a way bigger effect on your team, on their performance, on their mental health, on their personal self value, on their stability, on their financial stability and their physiological needs. This person is now worried about if I lose this job, will I be able to pay my rent? Will my kids have a roof over their head? Will I be able to buy macaroni and cheese for my children? Will I be able to put milk in the refrigerator? Can I create any type of stability for my family? These are real things that as leaders and as managers, we directly have an impact on. Just by being a stickler of a manager, just by making sure that you're making your employee feel like they're inferior or like they're not safe in the workplace, understand the effects of this. And it goes back to what I was trying to say earlier, societal, how it affects societally. You're not just affecting that person anymore. You're affecting their family. You're affecting those kids and they're the future. Again, I'm talking about experiences for myself as a you know first generation undocumented person, right? I struggled a lot and I've still been able to like get a little further in my life to where I'm stable, but I want you guys to understand how this affects people. It affects their children. And then that creates again, instability for the next generation. We all need to start looking at our actions as a ripple effect. How does it affect everyone over a long period of time? Is it just affecting that one person? And again, I haven't even, we haven't even really delved into like the energy aspect of things um, because, you know, I'm a holistic coach. So, you know, I want us to be able to talk about those aspects as far as like energy, but this goes way further. And I want us to understand as leaders and as employees, how it does affect us. And it's not a small thing. It's a big thing. So let's stop making things, small things, stop. Let's stop making big things, small things, and let's call it as it is and address it. And remember to operate from a place of good intent. I think that's the biggest key takeaway that I want people to really understand is like, assume the best, not the worst.
0: I mean, and that really wraps it all up. I feel like there's not much more to add in this topic. I And on our website, ConsciousCorporations.org, we have a section on there that says talk to us. And we would love for you to go on the website Tell us what you're dealing with at work. Tell us what you're experiencing in terms of your own exploration of where you fall in your value system. Where is your team? Are there any things that we can support you with? Because we would love to have those conversations here on the podcast. So join us there. We're also going to be coming up with, as I mentioned earlier, some worksheets that you can follow along with us and actually take them back to your team and implement some of these skills because we want you to be empowered to help your team and to be able to turn your team around in the way that you want to. And we do a lot with our, our corporation, um, conscious corporations. We focus on helping organizations, we will come in and we will help you rework the way you're doing business. We will help work with your team. We will help identify your weaknesses and your strengths, and we will help put all of that together. So that is one aspect of what we do with our business. But here on this podcast, all we're asking for is just talk to us. Tell us what you're going through. Tell us how you're experiencing work so that we can continue this conversation because we're all in this together. And thank you so much for joining us. And we will look forward to talking to you guys next time. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.